0: Hello and welcome to Cumber Baptist Church podcast. The following is taken from our morning service, Sunday, the twenty-fourth of November, two thousand and nineteen. This morning we are joined by Glenn Burns, who takes his reading from Romans chapter eleven, verses thirty-three to thirty-six, and brings us a message entitled "Why Do We Sing?" Good morning, and Good morning. Um, once again thank you very much for having me and I'm um, with you. My name is. I am Glenn Burns. Um, I am from Ballyhalbert Gospel Hall. Please don't hold that against me. I am still a Baptist at heart. Um, if you have your Bibles, please turn with me to Romans chapter eleven. <clears throat> My first, day, I'd like to apologise for any coughing and spluttering I might make um, throughout this. Um, I have been suffering with um, the dreaded and accursed man flu. Um, And one thing I'll always say um, to get women on my side, because women always like, don't be such a big baby about this, is that it is scientifically proven, and if you start anything with that sentence, people will believe you. It is scientifically proven that women um, have a stronger internal um, immune system than men do. That's a fact. So women are able to handle these things much better than men are. So men, we now have a valid excuse why We struggle with these um, afflictions in our lives. Um, Romans chapter 11. We're only going to be reading um, four verses. uh, Beginning at verse 33. Romans chapter 11, verse 33 says this. Oh, the depths of the riches and wisdom and knowledge of God. Let's just commit ourselves once again to God in prayer, seeking his wisdom and his guidance um, through his spirit. Let's just pray. Lord God and Heavenly Father, we thank you that when we come before you in prayer that we are not um, rambling off um, and muttering words that are bouncing off the ceiling. Lord, that when we pray we are not um, simply thinking out loud. But Lord, we are speaking to the Most High God who created the heavens and the earth. The one who made all things beautiful in its time. And Lord, you made us in your very image. Lord, when we consider the works um, of your creation... All the things that you have made. Lord, who are we? That you, that we are mindful of you. Lord, who are we? That we should be able to bring our praises before you here this morning. And yet, Lord, you made us in your image. You made us a little lower than the angels. You made us so that we could know you. So that we could worship you so that we could praise you lord help us this morning as we and um, get stuck into your word lord that we may know the revelation of your truth we may know the depths of your glory and lord that we can respond with hearts of abundant praise singing this is our god this is the one who made us this is the one who we serve Lord, although we are fallen creatures, you sent your Son to die for us. And Lord, that is the truth that we want to sing of here this morning. It is of this amazing grace that you have given us, that although in spite of all that we have done, we can still come before you, and we can still worship and praise you because of all that you have done for us. So Lord, speak to us this morning. Reveal to us your truth, through your spirit. For we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. So as I mentioned there when speaking to the kids, that um, prior to um, going to Bible college, I um, was um, beginning a career in music. And um, unfortunately, that fell through. But um, I have never lost that um, passion for music that I had. Um it's interesting that when you look at some of the greatest songs in po- popular culture today, and um, that have came through through the expression of musicians and songwriters, they are able to convey their emotions through the state of the culture around them. Let me give a few examples here, and I'm going to take three examples, and um, all from the 70s. Um, I would pretty, probably call that the greatest time that um, popular music has ever known. Even though I am a child of the nineties, um, for an example, Bob Dylan's "A Hard Rain Is Going to Fall." And Bob Dylan wrote that song um, through his fear of the Cuban missile, missile crisis, and later that song was then used to display um, his emotions about the Vietnam War and how he really felt about it, and the truth that wanted to be revealed from that. And Let me give another example here. Simon and Garfunkel, their song, The Sound of Silence, which I'm sure all of you know very well. And Paul Simon actually wrote that song when he looked at the culture of, um, of celebrities and fandom and this fear that was being made out of it. And then lastly, Don McLean's American Pie. He saw this cultural shift in music from the 50s And particularly in 1959, when he saw it as the day the music died, to the 60s and 70s. And Don McLean was longing for that nostalgia of a simpler time. Not just in music, but also in his life. You see, music is a gift. It is something that has been given to us by God. And we can enjoy music today. And in that enjoyment of music, we are able to find something that resonates deep within us. It connects us to a deeper emotion, perhaps. Now, psychiatrists will say um, that whenever your thoughts are in deep alignment with your moral conscience, and um, whatever you hear, you believe it to be profoundly deep and true, you will get the sensation of hair standing up, maybe on the, on the back of your arm or in the back of your neck. It's that cold shiver that you might feel. And we seem to get that feeling most through art, and most particularly from music. And as we come here every Sunday morning, every Sunday evening, we sing hymns and spiritual songs. But why? What is the point of all our singing? Do we sing simply to make ourselves feel better? Are we doing it to convey a message or is there something deeper, perhaps, to our singing? Well, as we look at the book of Romans here, and um, what I will say about the book of Romans is that the book of Romans is an incredible um, message. Paul's message here for his readers and his listeners is simple. It's all about the gospel. Romans is a revelation of God's righteousness both in judgment and salvation Through the gospel of Jesus Christ. And we see all of this culminating in the cross of Christ. Where God judges sin and also manifests his saving mercy. And Paul talks about all of this in tremendous detail throughout Romans 1 to 11. Beginning with God's wrath against all unrighteousness. Unfortunately that unrighteousness is on all people. And because of this unrighteousness, all of us fall short of God's glory. And we know that of ourselves because of God's law. God's law is revealed to us through his word, but it is also revealed to us in our hearts through his revelation of creation. And what that law reveals to us is that we are all rebels, we are all sinners thanks to our sin. However, even though sin entered the world through the actions of one man, Adam, now sin has been dealt with and that whilst we were still sinners, Christ died for us. And this sacrifice here is a demonstration of God's immeasurable love towards us. You see, this is God's grace revealed to us through the gospel. This grace is a gift which is undeserved. And it's because of this grace that we have the freedom to stand before God. And we realize that because our God loves us, because Christ died for our sin, because the Holy Spirit now dwells in us believers, we are children of God. And nothing on this earth Nothing ever in creation can separate us from the love of God. That there is Romans chapters 1-8 to very, very briefly summed up. And when we come to Romans 9-11, it speaks to us of the plan of God and the mysteries of his saving power. God at one point called the Jews his people. But because of their stubbornness, God now turns to the Gentiles. That simply is any non-Jew like us. And he saves them, calling them his people. Now, has God completely turned his back on his people, the Jews? Well, You see, if it wasn't for the Jews' stubbornness to believe, then we might never have known the truth. And Paul, in his wisdom, suggests that this happens so that God, in his saving power, can fulfill the purposes of his original plan, so that people from every tribe, tongue, and nation, will be saved and worship the name of Christ. You see, it's this wonderful mystery that Paul unfolds for us, not just in chapters 9 to 11, but also in chapters 1 to 8, that leads to Paul being compelled to burst birth forth in song and giving us this doxology here in verses 33 to 36. This doxology, which word literally means praise Or glory in words. Where Paul here is praising God with all his heart. And giving everything because of all that's being said. With that very brief synopsis here of the first section of the book of Romans. And as we begin to look at the last um, part of this section this morning. The goal that I want us to aim for is to be able to consider the reason why we sing to God and what that means for us as believers. So there's two points I want us to think about. And the first point I want us to think about, and which we will do so in a minute, is that we sing because of who God is. And then later we're going to be thinking about why we sing because of what God has done for us. So firstly, let's think about this first point here, that we sing, if it will work, because of who God is. And Paul here begins his anthem with a depiction of who God is, and he highlights three aspects of God here in verse 33. He speaks about God's riches, his wisdom, and his knowledge. But Paul goes on here to marvel at the depth of these aspects. You see, this depth here that Paul speaks of is like an unsearchable void. There's no end to its mysteries. And yet within this void contains the valid reality of truth, which is the stable foundation to understand life and all its complexities. If you were to go back to the 50s and the 60s, whenever NASA and other international programs were beginning the space race, they were believing that the more they discover beyond our world, the more they could try to find the meaning of life. And Paul here has been on this journey. But Paul doesn't need to search the hidden mysteries of space. Nor does Paul need to explore the furthest reaches of our planet. Whether that's the top of Mount Everest the coldest parts of the Antarctic, or the bottom of the Marianas Trench. But you see, Paul here has climbed the vast cliffs of God's glorious glory story throughout time and tells us the place where we should start to look at and marvel at the depths of God is the main theme of the book of Romans. It is all about the gospel of God. And it's because of these unreachable depths that Paul can go on to say in verse 33, how unsearchable are his judgments and how inscrutable are his ways. So how do we know that the gospel and what Paul says is true? Well, firstly, we know about the gospel here through God's word. And Paul highlights scripture time and time again To make his point about the gospel known to his audience throughout the book of romans we see references to the old testament texts and again here in verses 34 to 35 paul takes two old testament texts to help solidify his point isaiah chapter 40 verse 13 says for who has known the mind of the lord and who has been his counselor Or in Job chapter 41 and verse 11, it says, Or who has given the gift to him that he might be repaid? You see, no one can be compared to God, both in his wisdom and his knowledge and in his riches. You see, God is the be-all and God is the end-all. There is no one superior than him. You see, he is of utmost Importance. And if there was someone who would be greater than God, then Paul would have every reason to be contested. However, if God, the eternal being who created everything, then the depth of his riches are immeasurable. His knowledge in creating a perfect utopia at the beginning and his wisdom in redeeming this creation back unto himself. From its dystopian fallen state is only possible through Him. You see, God could have done away with this world and everything in it whenever man had sinned. But God doesn't. Instead, God looks to redeem His creation by His power. And it is the power of God that is revealed to us in His actions. Let's now consider this now and think about how God manifests his power in order to reveal his persona. So let's think about why we sing because of what God has done. (coughs) And before we look at this point, let me just make one thing clear. The gospel is not just a personal thing for us. The gospel is not about us. The gospel is about God. And the gospel is the unveiling of God's power in his actions for the purpose of redemption of his creation. Verse 36, it says this, For from him, that's God. And through him and to him are all things. And where we fit into this is that we are part of his creation. Actually, more importantly, we were the apex of his creation. We were meant to be the crown jewel. We were made in the image of God And we were given the responsibility to care for and protect God's creation from any outside intruders. But of course, as we know when we read the book of Genesis, that Adam had failed in this. And as a result, we have failed. And we have become the scourge of creation. As one man's sin has brought corruption to the earth. So how does God then look to achieve his redemption? Well, God as creator has the authority to judge the earth and all that inhabits it. Man's natural desire is to go against God, to suppress the knowledge of him, so that God is ignored and man is sinning against God. And God, seeing his created being, seeing his people, he declares them all to be unfit for his glory, for they refuse to acknowledge him as Lord. And God, in his knowledge of all humanity throughout the ages, could have dealt with them all swiftly, wiping them all out from the blackboard and starting all over again. But God doesn't do that. God, instead, sustains his creation by his abundant mercy. Every breath that we breathe in, it is not simply because we have the capacity to breathe air, from which we are supplied oxygen for our bodies to live. But every breath is a mark of God's mercy towards his created beings who have sinned against him and have rejected him as Lord. So how can we find a way out of our sin and a way to God? Well, in Romans three twenty-three, it tells us that all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. But it goes on to say in verses 24 to 25. And are justified, that is to say made right, by his grace as a gift. Through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God put forth as a propitiation by his blood to be received by faith. In other words, God sent his son, the perfect son of man. One who would die on a cross, bearing the punishment for our sins. So if we put our faith in him, literally realizing that there is nothing that we can do, nothing that we can give in return, and we hold out our hands and we see that all we can offer to God is empty. But God has given us a gift that we can never repay. And we respond with hearts that are filled with love. Because God has demonstrated his love to us. God makes us right with him through Christ Jesus. And we are not only able to stand in his glory, but we are also to share in His glory, to be part of that which is most excellent, most beautiful, and most worthy of praise. Can any of us give God God a gift that might be repaid? We can't. Can any of us stand along God and question any of His motives? Well, seeing what He has done for us. We dare not because we know our true nature. But we begin to see the depths of his wisdom and knowledge. And we share in the depths of his riches through his glory. And we realize that everything is because of him. Look at this um, garden here. This is a picture of um, the, the fountain here in the, in the middle of um, Banger Castle Wall gardens. And this fountain here, um, imagine this fountain is the source from which all of the garden gains its life. It is completely central to the garden. Now, if someone was to remove the fountain, to uproot the fountain from its foundations, and take it out of the garden. In one sense, it would ha- enhance the beauty of the garden, for you would no longer be distracted by the fountain. You would begin to see the beauty of all the flowers and the trees around you. But the problem is this if that fountain was to be the source of life, those flowers and those trees would not be sustained for long. Eventually, they would die eventually they would cease to exist and they would no longer be beautiful, but they would be decrepit and brown and ugly. However, the point of the fountain is this. It is not just to bring life, but it is to be the centerpiece which ties the entire garden together, to give it life and also to be the very foundation, the very source of the garden and it's the same with us God created us in his image but we were not created to be the very centerpiece of creation we were created in order that we might reflect that which is the very fountain of life we were created to reflect the glory of our God the one who gives us life and if we were to take God from the very foundation, the very center, not just of our lives, but of all of existence, then we have a problem. Because life would cease to exist. Life would cease to have any point in it. Life would be meaningless. But because God is the very foundation, God is the very source of all life. Because, as Paul says here in Romans It is only through the gospel of God that we are able to have this life. God is the fountain and the source and the centerpiece of all our praise. To him be glory forever and ever. Let's just think about a few points of application as we have thought about this passage here together. Firstly, as we as we reflect on these truths, as we meditate on Scripture, and we think about the big picture of the Gospel here this morning. Well, the more we read God's Word, the more we gather every Sunday morning and hear God's Word preached to us, the more we come to know God as we dig deeper and deeper into His vast riches of wisdom and knowledge. But not only that, when we read Scripture we are reading about the one whom God sent to be his glory on the earth. In the same way that Paul closes his doxology in verse 36, Paul uses similar language here to speak of the one who is reflected, sorry, throughout the word of God. He says this in Colossians, He is the image of the invisible God, for by him all things were created both on heaven and on earth. And he is before all things, and in him all things hold together. For in him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell, and through him to reconcile to himself all things, making peace by the blood of his cross. If you want to truly know the depth of the riches of God, and the wisdom and his knowledge then the only way you can ever plumb the depths is by Jesus Christ and only by Christ alone. For it is only in Christ that we see God's infinite wisdom at work, working all things for his glory, creating the heavens and the earth, redeeming people by his blood, one day fully consummating the restoration of his kingdom. Do you want to know more about God? Then get to know more about Christ. And when you do, you begin to know God. Secondly, music is a gift. There is beauty found in any form of coherent music. That beauty is simply because of the beauty which is found in God. He is the source and foundation of all beauty. R.C. Sproul puts it like this, Where there is beauty, there is the Spirit of God. It's the same Spirit who brings order and life to a chaotic um, void, the same God who brought things into all creation through the depths of his knowledge, in the wisdom that he might share the riches of his glory. And when we come to know God through Christ, we realize the value of the Spirit's handiwork. Just as the Spirit hovered over the face of the waters in Genesis 1, the Spirit also works in our lives, transforming us to be more Christ-like. Paul continues on in Romans 12 to say, Therefore, because of all I've said to you up until this point in Romans 1-11, Therefore, present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worf- worship. Do not be conformed to this world, to its chaotic evil ways, disrupted of order and peace, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, this renewal which comes from the Holy Spirit sent of God by Christ, in which by testing you may discern the will of God, which is good and acceptable and perfect. Music alone is not worship singing is not just worship but in music we have an opportunity to express and feel the beauty of god for who he is and what he's done and every time we witness order or harmony or symphony that in itself is bearing witness to the character of god In ourselves alone, we have nothing to bring to this. We have nothing to offer. Our art, our music, our creative expressions, all of it comes from God himself. It is the overflow of the truth in the gospel resounding from our hearts. And we respond, telling ourselves, those around us, and God himself of what he's done. As Paul says in Ephesians, we are making melody to the Lord and giving thanks in everything to God the Father in the name of Jesus Christ. It is our acceptable worship to God because he has given it as a gift so that we may both enjoy him and his glory. The more we consider who God is through his word and consider what he has done through his knowledge and wisdom in our lives, the more we see his glory. And in return, we respond being lost in the depths of his riches in wonder, love, and praise. Let me just finish with this um, story. There are many songs that we sing in church that speak to us, particularly when the words resonate so strongly that we cannot help but stop and marvel at God's glorious and wonderful grace. Just last week um, in my own church in Ballyhalber Gospel Hall, we were, um, one of our elders was leading worship, and just as we began singing um, one of the songs, um, he immediately stopped the band and the music. And he says that what he was singing just hit him like a brick wall. And he called us to ponder on these words. Wonderful grace that gives me what I don't deserve pays me what Christ has earned and lets me go free. Why do we sing? Well, in light of God's amazing grace shown to us, we are brought into the mandate of all creation. The heavens, the birds, the flowers, the trees, even the angels. We sing from the bottom of our hearts by grace declaring the glory of God Romans 11:36 For from him and through him and to him are all things to him be glory forever and ever Amen Let's stand